Tracy Crossley is not your typical behavioral relationship expert. She teaches us how to break our dating patterns to finally allow us to unlock our full potential in love. You will hear her story. You will hear her vision and why she's the ultimate outlier. Welcome to Elias TV. Welcome to Elias TV. Hello, hello, and welcome to Outliers TV, our podcast about innovators changing our world. And today we have the very romantic expert pleasure of being <laughs> Tracy Crossley. Tracy, Tracy was giving me a look like, okay, <laughs> how are you? I'm good. I'll go with that too, the whole romantic <laughs> part. I'm like, okay, sure. Well, you know, you are a behavioral relationship expert, so that's, I had to throw in romance. Okay. Again, I'll go with that. Maybe I should be the behavioral romance expert. Yeah, we all want a little romance. Of course, of course. <laughs> Thank you so much for being with us today. So we start every episode with a question, and there's no right or wrong answers, whatever speaks to you. And that question is, why you, why now? Uh, why me? So why me would probably come from following an experience with another experience with another experience, meaning... Um, 11 years ago or so, I was struggling in my romantic life mm. and I had read a book and I thought, you know what? I need to read this other book that was in the book. And it just so happened that the author of the second book lived down here. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, I need this person to help me because mm. I was just in a romantic mess. Mm. So I went to her and I became a coach. Um, that wasn't my original intention, but it was literally one experience led to another experience to another one. So I learned how to coach, become a love coach of all things when I had no idea what love was. And I took my life experiences along with my training and have been able to find a home in helping people with really dysfunctional relationships or with people who can't get into a relationship or can't let go. You know, like the, the relationship has been over for a long period of time. Mm. And that's because of my own experiences, but I've been able to come through to the other side to have a sense of well-being, to have a healthy relationship, to do the things that I never could do before. So I think that's why me mm -hmm. and why now, because it's just those experiences have led me to here I am right now. I love it. I love it. And with that, I love it. I want to ask you, what is love? So love to me is a feeling. It's not ownership. It's not attachment. It's a feeling inside that's warm. I call it warm and fuzzy, mm -hmm. but it really is. Like if you think about somebody or you think of yourself and you can develop that warm and fuzzy feeling in your chest area and you just feel a lot of compassion, openness. It's really just this feeling of flow. Mm. To me, that is the base of it. Mm. And then it's what do you add on to that in a relationship, right? Mm. Where you do loving acts. You are loving your partner mm. is loving in a healthy relationship and mm. that builds love. It's not the, I'm a drama queen, you're a drama queen and let's have a relationship. There's no love there specifically. There could right. be, but it's not in the actions of the person that's not loving action because they're not loving themselves when they're creating drama. So how does one love themselves when 
and, and we all have different ideas of what loving ourselves is, right? But what would you say to someone that statistically looks like they don't love themselves? Well, there's actually, I have a book that I've written and I have a literary agent shopping it right now and it's eight steps to permanent happiness. And they're really the ways that you do love yourself. So mm. one of them is simple, but not simple, which is to stop focusing on problems. If you mm. notice most of your thoughts, most of your attention might go to problems. Mm -hmm. What that does is it drains you of your own life energy, meaning your physical, emotional, spiritual energy, mm -hmm. and it puts it towards something that you're more than likely not solving. Or once you solve that, then you're focused on another problem. Right. When you're draining yourself, you're not loving yourself. Mm. When you stop doing certain things and it's hard to stop because it's a pattern and it's usually based on some kind of a negative belief that you have. So when you stop doing that, it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to feel good at first, but the more you do it, you realize, Hey, I've got extra energy here. Hey, I'm feeling good. So that's just one thing. And that's a, you know, simple in statement. And I think it's so true and, and, and wise. And so in a, in a lot of ways, counter counterintuitive because you know, when somebody goes, how's it going? It's weird, right? Because there's so many amazing things that are going right. And then your mind just goes, and, and whether you say it or not, right? Do, mm -hmm. Don't you find mm -hmm. that to be kind of the human conditioning? It is, but you move out of that. So, you know, one of the things that I do, I'm not, I don't spend a lot of time in my head looking for problems. Mm -hmm. I feel my, my way through life because to have developed the beliefs that I have negative and positive, I had to have emotional experiences to get there. Right. You know, if somebody just tells you something and you have no emotional response to it, it's because it's not affecting your belief system. So it's really right, how right. do you change those emotional reactions so that you change your subconscious patterns and beliefs and all of that. So, um, but there's so, I mean, again, there's several different ways. A lot of people are perfectionists, right? A perfectionist, as far as having an employee, that's a perfectionist. Awesome. <laughs> mm -hmm. Cause you know, they're always going to do a great job, but that person is suffering because their value is based on what they're doing for other people to recognize and to validate them. So when you stop doing things because you think others expect you to do that, to be perfect, you also, again, you're breaking a pattern. You're stopping a behavior that drains you because it drains you. Yeah. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. And you're starting to allow yourself to feel good. So everything I talk about in breaking patterns and changing your story and your rules goes back to changing the belief because now you've changed the evidence out here that you have to live the way you've been living because now you're not doing those things. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you on that. It's just kind of when you take those, those moments to retrain what you're focusing on and, 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 and you're focusing on things that make you feel good. Then before you know it, your whole life is about those moments, you know, more so it doesn't mean you don't have right. things come up, you know, it isn't like life is just, Oh, it's one big rainbow. Let me go and, you know, ride my unicorn through it. It's basically that I am having to be in reality. A lot of people, that's another thing they do. And, and I think you're so right. It's like, See, a lot of people think that that whole Pollyanna or being positive is is you being kind of whimsical or like airy fairy, but it's actually very practical. And I'll tell you why. Like if you if you don't get that job or you don't get into a relationship with that person and you want it and you're suffering over it, you're creating a whole story on how that would have gone and you have no idea. Does mm -hmm. that make sense? Is that oh, kind totally, of, what do you think totally. about that? Well, because I look at it this way. So you have your belief. 
then you have your rules, you have a story, mm-hmm. then you have your patterns and evidence mm-hmm. and it's a loop. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just one it's big ha- loop. It's a big old hamster. Yeah, it really yeah. is. And I believe that when people want something, first of all, we don't even know what would be our best case scenario of life. No idea. So no idea. A lot of times we get attached to what we think it is, but that's coming from a really limited perspective. Mm. And so it's going, you know, rejection isn't a bad thing. They say rejection is protection. It really is because it's an opportunity to learn. I've been very protective. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. I used to be too. So yeah. And I, I look at where I was rejected. I'm like, God, I was like trying to force things to happen and that never feels good either. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't make you love yourself at all. Mm. That's another thing where then you're needing somebody to validate you and go, okay, I'll, I'll be with you because you want me. That never feels good. It's like you want somebody to want you because they want to be with you. You want to be with somebody because you want to be with them. Not because I'm feeling like this person's going to be a band-aid. And we mm. usually do that where, okay, they're a band-aid. I feel a sense of relief when they're around. So you can mm. tell if it's a sense of relief and not good, then you're looking at them as sort of plugging up the emptiness inside of you. Sense of relief versus that good feeling of enhance, like an enhancement. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Tell us a little bit about, okay, so I want to hear about more of your personal story that happened 11 years so our, our listeners can really know you and say, okay, she can, she can tell me a few things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's see. I was divorced, uh, many years ago. I was a single mom for a long time and I would get into these relationships that were more situations than relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember when I got divorced, having this deathly fear of being in a relationship. Like it just was the biggest turnoff to me. Mm-hmm. I'd see couples and go, Oh, that looks so boring. That looks horrible. <laughs> Um, and I didn't realize how much that was background, I would call it background music to my life. Um, but I chose people who either couldn't commit or if they did commit, it was so much work just to get the relationship to work that my whole time was spent doing that. You know, I was always in a state of anxiety. I was either Mm. running away from because I was, um, trying to make someone, let's say, miss me right? Mm. Or I was running away because I didn't want anything healthy. And then I was anxious holding on to somebody who was trying to run away from me, but then they would run away and then they'd come back. And so I always had these relationships where they would be around and then they would disappear and then they would come back and then they would disappear, you know, and it was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I kept having like the fantasy, oh, this someday is going to be okay. That brick is going to fall on their head Mm. and then they're going to wake up. And they're going to know I'm the one, right? Right. But what was funny is in the times where somebody would show up like that, like I had this one guy and he was out of state because long distance was always convenient. Yeah, of course. Um, And, you know, he came, he flew out here and he's like, okay, I'm ready to commit. And I had started seeing someone else and I thought, hmm, there's too much water under the bridge. It's kind of boring now. All Mm. the excitement and intensity went out of it. And it wasn't even there that I realized I was screwed up. Like I kept thinking it was the relationship. I kept thinking it was the guys, but it Mm. wasn't until my last, I would call it attached relationship where, um, I kept ending up back with this person. Like he'd go away, come back. And I was walking down the street one day and I'm, I'm thinking, okay, you have tried cutting this off. You have done everything you can. Every time this person shows back up, your feelings are the same. They haven't changed. 
And I realized it was an emotional issue at that point, that it was something in me that was a total disconnect. So mm. that's when the deeper work started of how do I get myself to a place of resolution and clarity so that I'm not always trying to cut it off or get pissed off and tell him to go screw himself or, you know, things like that. Instead, it was about me having to withstand things emotionally that I was not ever able to do before. Mm. You know, I was never one of those that could have an emotional conversation. I'd change the subject. I would create something else going on just so we didn't have to have those kind of conversations. Mm. So you, you stretched your own personal, um, like safety comfort zone to match your need of the growth that you needed. Right. right? I got out of my comfort zone. Right. right. You know, I, um, started writing, I think it was in 2010, somewhere around there. I started writing about my relationship mm. stuff, like on Huffington Post and Elephant Journal. Like you can, if somebody goes on Google, they would find a bunch of articles I had about this. Like when I was in the thick of still going through it. Um, and then I started my pod, my podcast almost five years ago. And I've talked about a lot of my stories in there and people mm. relate because they start to think, am I the only one that ends up in these situations or in a relationship that's dysfunctional and I'm not getting my needs met and I feel horrible most of the time, but yet I can't leave. So mm. I've given those people something to go, yeah, you know what? I don't feel like I'm alone in this mm. and that there's not a way out because there is a way out. There is a way out. And okay. So the phenomenon of, of breadcrumb dating, you coined that, huh? I coined it. I didn't know I coined it. Um, <laughs> I wrote an article in 2015 and I was talking about breadcrumbing, but I didn't know I coined it until someone else told me I coined it. So, yeah. I loved it. I, I think it's so smart. And, and you know what? When, when your PR team first reached out to me about you, which was a few weeks back, and I read, I read it, I had just gone on a date with someone that um, kind of went away and then uh, reappeared. And my normal way of doing things would have been like, hey, well, yeah, cool. I'm not even going to like address the fact. But I just I was like, you know what? No, I don't. And I just didn't. It, it was I think my pattern was always to always reach back and mm -hmm. then we and then something would start. But it's it hasn't led to anything more significant. But for this one, I'm like, no, you, you're not just going to like disappear and then be like. And so I, I, I cut my pattern for that one. So thank you for that. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, why don't you tell our, our listeners exactly what you meant when you didn't know that you coined breadcrumb dating? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I would always refer to either a dating situation or a relationship as breadcrumbs. And why don't you want the whole piece of bread or the whole loaf, mm, right? Yeah. But the truth is what, what people do with breadcrumbs is they leave you just enough to have you holding on. So... Mm. A lot of people will go out on dates, at least a lot of people that listen to my stuff or, you know, are interested in my work. So they're going on a date and they may hit it off because there's chemistry. Okay. Right. And so what happens, a lot of people get out of the moment and they start having a fantasy about, oh, this is great. Oh, I can take this person home for Thanksgiving. You know, they're, they're sort of living in this future that hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And, and maybe <laughs> I've they... never done that. <laughs> no, we talked about <laughs> Yeah. I used to do that all the time. So especially when there was intense chemistry, because to yeah. me it didn't happen very often because I didn't realize yeah. how much of a, an avoidant I was. 
as far mm. as I would avoid my own emotions. Right. And it really took a lot for me to want to be in a relationship. Mm. So I would have all of that dangling on the first date and maybe they would keep showing up for a couple of weeks or even, you know, just a couple of dates. And I would feel like, oh, this is going somewhere. And then it would start to fade out slowly. And I sometimes would reach out, depending on how courageous I was, and go, hey, what's going on? I haven't heard anything. Did you still want to go out? Mm-hmm. And they'd always go, oh, yeah, of course. I've just been busy. You know, a bunch of excuses. Mm-hmm. And then that would somehow give me a sense of relief, you know, the whole relief thing. And I would go, okay, and I'd keep dating them because I had all those fantasies of, oh, we're still going in this direction, and this is going to work out. And... um and then it wouldn't, and then they would not just fade, keep fading out, like their words of, oh yeah, I wanna keep dating you, would be meaningless because their actions would be, they keep, you know, right. they'd keep going until they'd show back up again. Because that was what always happened. And when I was dating the last person that I had this kind of situation with, um, I said to him, I go, this is your pattern. And I know this is your pattern. I said, and I'm gonna guess that what you do, because I, I was taking things he had said, is you become anxious mm. when we're getting too close. And then you feel like you need to get the heck out because you feel like you're out of control emotionally because fear happens. Mm-hmm. So then I said, as you get further away from me and you're sort of over here and I'm over here, you feel like, oh, I miss her now because now you're not so afraid. Time has gone by, you've calmed down. And now you feel like you can come back around until of course you're triggered again and it happens. And he was like, how'd you know that? (laughs) So, and that's a lot of my clients too. They're either on one end or the other end of that. It's just, and, and, and a lot of them switch roles. Like I used to switch roles. Like I've done both positions. Yeah, I think we all have. Um, but it makes so much sense when you put it that way. And okay, so how does your structure work when you start working with someone um, as a client? Is it um, what's your average kind of what does it look like? As far as you mean coaching them yeah. individually? Uh-huh. Um, when I start coaching people individually, usually they're in For a... For my friend. <laughs> I have a friend. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Would um, really want to know. <laughs> okay, so... I find that most people are in some form of anxiety or they've had enough. Mm -hmm. They're just so sick and tired of their situation. Mm -hmm. And this includes people who do not date very often, uh, have kind of given up, but they don't realize it's fear that's doing it. Mm -hmm. So when I start working with people, I do uh, 30 minute sessions with them and it's not a therapy session because I don't need to hear the whole life story of somebody. What I do is I ask them to start talking about what's going on and then I start digging deeper because I've been doing this for so long. Mm -hmm. I can just pick up and spot things that they're not seeing in themselves Mm. so that by the end of a session, you know, and they have to do this several times, not just one hit and you're gone, but I can point out things that they couldn't see and then they have to either further that awareness or take an action. Usually when I start working with people also, I have to see how much fear they have because fear is the thing that stops us from changing anything anyway. Mm. So, um, and I usually work with people. It depends. Um, I have people that show up for three months. I have people that have been with me years because they'll, they'll get through one thing, you know, like as an example, one of my longest clients, when she came, she was in a dysfunctional relationship. I think it was about four or five months later, she met her current husband Um, and then their courtship went on, I think it was three years, 
including them moving in and all of that. And then they got married and now they have a kid. So, and she has stayed working with me that whole time because she keeps going through different beliefs and different patterns and things that we originally weren't addressing because there's always stuff. Of course. Yeah. And do you see your, well, I guess it all varies, but is it like a once a week thing session or twice a a month or? I do it once a week to begin with. Mm -hmm. I've tried it different ways. I'm always experimenting, but um, I do it once a week. And what I have found is if you do it, like you give people more of a break, they start to fall out of it. So, um, and again, it's the different lengths of time. But what I've also started doing is Mm -hmm. I have a boot camp, which is starting today. Um, which by the time you guys hear this, you won't know that (laughs) it'll already have come and gone, but I do it again and I'll be doing it again in January. So it's called the kick-ass bootcamp. Mm -hmm. And the thing with this is it's super intense. You come in, it's a small group of people. You're getting once a week coaching with me or with my other coach. And she does something called role-playing. Um, it's like improv almost. Mm -hmm. And that actually is one of the most helpful things they do, but there's written homework. There's a Facebook group. We use a video app. So it's a really intense thing, but I've done it. This is going to be the fourth time. It has been almost as wonderful, if not better at times for people in transforming in a 10 week period of time versus what one-on-one coaching does, which takes longer because that's self-led rather than this is group led. And it Mm. seems to make a difference. And I'm just, I mean, I'm always blown away at how much people transform in that 10 week period of time. So, yeah. Wow. And what do most of your clients come to you um, asking for help about? What, what, do, what do you find? Well, that's a funny <laughs> question because people will say, I want to have a happy relationship, but they're nowhere near that. Right. A lot of times it's, they just need to go to a state of well-being first so that they can make better choices romantically. You got to dig a little deeper. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but I know this, you know, going in Mm -hmm. because it's really interesting when I'm talking to people, it's very similar and it doesn't matter if they're men or women, straight or gay, has no bearing whatsoever because people always think, oh, guys are the ones that are, you know, doing the breadcrumbing. No, women do it to other women and women do it to men. And, Mm. you know, and it's, it's all over the place. Men do it to men. It doesn't matter. I could switch out, you know, because people always talk about when it comes to dating, oh, it's a man thing or it's a woman thing or it's a, you know, and it's not, it's just not, it's Mm. a human thing. Are you in a relationship now? I am married. Okay, great. That's that's a relationship. (laughs) Yeah. This, I got married uh, a little over a year ago. Nice. Yeah, because I made a decision. Um, you know, as I've been doing this work and helping others, I realized at one point back in 2016 that I still had some fears that mm. I wasn't really dealing with. And that's why I couldn't commit to actually dating towards a relationship. But I started to do that. And um, yeah, and then I met him at the beginning of 2017. And it was just, it was great. You know, it doesn't mean I was fearless. It doesn't mean that there weren't moments like, what the heck am I doing? You know, uh, I'm an avoidant. Hi, I need to go. Um, you know, but I would have those and I had to work through that stuff. So the relationship helped me a lot as well, just because it was there, it was stable and I wasn't going to be the one to make it unstable. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't interested in really doing that. So I'd done enough work where it wasn't like he had to hold onto my feet to keep me there. It wasn't anything like that. 
But I still had certain tendencies that I had to work through because I realized how much I was an avoidant. So, yeah. So can I be a little vulnerable with you right now? Absolutely. So I, I have no, <laughs> I've, and I'm just going to say this. So I have no problem dating. It's just somewhere along the way, it just goes sideways. Um, and throughout my, no, in my, yeah, mid twenties to mid thirties, my dating thing was great. But for the past like five years, it's just been, it, it nothing's graduated. I, I, I haven't even been close to the conversation of an, of an anniversary in so long. <laughs> I'm like, what is that? What's an anniversary? Um, and, um, but I'm, I'm very, I do a lot of personal development work. This is what my podcast is about. That's how I told your publicist, get her in here. Um, <laughs> but I, and I, and I just see the value of everything you said. And I think I, I love how beautifully you started at the beginning with the, the, what is the personal conversation that we're having about ourselves, mm -hmm. right? That, that, mm -hmm. that narrative and that dialogue is everything because, a person's not going to fix a significant other is not going to fix that. They're just, it's just going to be a warm body next to you with you hating yourself. If that's what the thing is. So I think what I've done is I've really cleared up, um, that conversation of, of self acceptance and self love. And I feel that I'm really in a, in a great place to, I finally figured out, Oh, no one, I don't need anybody. No one's compliment. It, 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 somebody's just going to come and and I'm going to have this life with someone, but there, there's no fixing going on. There is no fixing. Yeah. You know, um, it's interesting in a healthy relationship. I will tell you this because every relationship I ever had before this mm -hmm. was not healthy ever. Mm. Uh, not my first marriage either. And that is, it actually makes you confront yourself even more because well, of you course, know, no, you can't that's the, blame the, the other person. What you mean when, when you're not in a relationship no, or when you are in, in a, in oh, a that's healthy in a, relationship. Oh, in a healthy yeah. relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I think being in a relationship is boot camp period oh, because it it's like the triggers are like, it's like having a roommate that just won't leave. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and yes. you know, when you have roommates and after a while you just, you hate them for no reason. You're like, Oh, you're still here. <laughs> yes, I do. So that's what happens when, um, so it's great training mm -hmm. for if we're here in the Olympics of life. Right. But, but I love what you're saying. A healthy relationship is the ultimate, mm -hmm. right? It is the ultimate. If you really want, you know, like on a spiritual level, emotional level, all different levels, it's what's going to challenge you because when you get out of blaming your partner or thinking the relationship is the problem mm. and you realize you're your own problem, mm. that's where the work is. Like I could trigger my husband and he could trigger me as an example, mm -hmm. right? But what we do, instead of getting into a knockdown drag out fight or anything, I don't even have the gumption to do that anymore, mm. but it's what is my crap? I know right. that I'm being triggered. It's something that lives inside of me. What can I do about it? And he mm. does the same thing. And we've gotten really good at it. You know, because like I remember the first time we had a disagreement and, you know, it was I was having a party and we both been drinking and he was doing my dishes because he's that kind of guy. Mm -hmm. And so, keeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is a keeper. And um, and he said, well, do you want me to go home? And I'm like, what? And we weren't yelling or anything. We were just not seeing eye to eye. I don't even remember what it was about. It was something silly. Cause it wasn't even, a, it was gone after that. I'm like, what? You don't have to go home. I'm like, I'm not even in that place. Mm -hmm. But that was his natural reaction to in past relationships. If you have a disagreement, then you got to go. Right. Mm -hmm. So 
he actually was able to be with that and then I was able to be with it. And it's not that we, these things take a long time. You're talking, mm. okay, maybe an hour and then we're just <laughs> off having fun, you know? Yeah. We don't have that heaviness that a lot of people carry in dysfunctional relationships. Mm. But I will say this too, one other thing about what mm-hmm. you were saying about you. Mm-hmm. So I was alone, um, I'm trying to think, because I, I was dating, I did some dating. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually lived with somebody in the time that I was single, but I got to a good place with myself, mm-hmm. and so I thought I was. Until I decided to start dating, like I got committed to dating. I'm committed to dating to have a relationship. Mm. I don't know what that's going to look like, but that was hard. And that brought up more fears because you can stay out of the game and go, you know what? I'm pretty good. I'm feeling good. Oh, the minute you step your foot back in the game, that's when things will come up. I love what you're saying about, uh, well, it's almost like you make a commitment of, okay, I'm in, I'm in the dating game now, but to develop a relationship, not just so I can have affection here and there. Right. And I think that's where I'm at. Like I I had that epiphany last week. I'm like, all right, this is, it's been great practice. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm kind of okay at this, but it's like, now let's, let's start looking into an anniversary conversation. Right. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's weird before you know it, you've been out of the game. And it, with that context, and then it's kind of like, oh my God, how do I, how do I, how can I be in this situation? Right. Yeah. It's really interesting that, I mean, you have a lot of awareness because yeah. you see this in yourself. And yeah. as you said, you've done a lot of work and I had too. I was always work, work, work on myself mm-hmm. and I was coaching people and I was helping other people get in relationships. But then it was like, well, what am I doing? I must have some fear. And I had this epiphany. I, I used to do retreats. Mm-hmm. And it was right before I was going to go do this retreat and I was standing in my bathroom and I thought, oh, I want to have a relationship. And I had this huge like wall of fear come up and I thought, oh my God, how am I ever going to get through this? This feels impossible. And I didn't even know why it was there. And so that was part of, that was about eight months before I met my husband. And that was part of my journey of trying to go, okay, Trace, you got to go through these fears. And I had to do things as an example. Like Mm -hmm. I went out with this one guy where we had chemistry and I knew, I knew that it was just going to be ugly. How did I know? Oh, because he was only here temporarily. (laughs) So that was clue number one, right? Not a, you know, he lives at a distance. So that makes it really great for an avoidant. And the other thing was... You had some good long-distance relationships. I I did. (laughs) That seemed to be my um, Uh operating mode there. But the the thing I will say about that was I went out with him on two dates. And by the end of the second date, I'm like, I cannot go forward with this. Like I knew because I'd done enough work on myself at that point. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to do that. But instead of ghosting him, which is what I usually would do, I just, you know fade out and go away. Mm-hmm. I actually made myself have to have a conversation with him. I thought I was going to have an anxiety attack before I had the conversation. Cause I had to basically tell him, you know, this isn't for me. You know, I mm-hmm. don't want to do this. And, um, and I did. And it was like a half hour long because he kept saying, you know, we could be meant to be together. Okay, fine. Let me be your sex slave. Like, Mm -hmm. He was like pulling everything out of the closet, right? And just throwing it in the conversation. And I had to keep standing my ground. Did you pause for that one for me? You're like, no, 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 no sex slaves. (laughs) Done with that. (laughs) Yeah. And a few other things he said at the Uh same time, because I was attracted to this person. Right. 
and he was just, he fit that same model. Mm-hmm. And so afterwards, of course, I had to go have a margarita with my friend because mm. I needed to calm down, but I, I held my ground mm. and I did not give back in and say, okay, all right, just this once. So you did end up having the communication you intended to have. I did. Right. And yeah. it felt amazing, I'm sure, afterwards. After afterwards. the margarita. Yeah. After the margarita. Yeah. Because yeah. 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 There, there, there's a sense of pride. And, and I, I, I've had that before where I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to put my big boy pants and, and, and treat someone with respect because um, I know what it feels like to be on the other side. Mm-hmm. Do you think that, because, um, you know, for example, like at, my mom, right? She... And I don't know why this seems, I, I would love your opinion. It seems like women maybe throw in the towel more than men as far as like getting into another relationship. And my mom is like, I'm done. Like mm-hmm. she's like, and my sister and I stopped even kind of, wait, well, why don't you get back out there? Um, do you think that when someone's done, is, is that them copping out and should they mm-hmm. keep trying or, or, or could someone totally be fulfilled and happy by themselves? So going from what I know of myself and what I know of people I've coached because I've coached people that are older, like I've had clients that have been in their sixties as Mm -hmm. an example that have not dated in a long time. Mm -hmm. And there is a sense of loneliness. There's a sense of, I got to keep myself busy enough or entertained or distracted or something to not really, it's like, you're not really emotionally present because you're avoiding a part of yourself. We're biologically or physiologically wired to be in partnership. That's, mm. that's what human beings are. We're social creatures. So you're really denying some part of yourself, but that's, you know, fear acts in different ways. It'll convince you, no, this is okay. This is better this way. Like I remember going on dates and wanting to be home, right? Like I can't wait to get home. Yeah. I want to go and, you know, sit there and eat a pint of ice cream or whatever, and I'll be much happier than being on this date. And so you start to equate dating with some kind of danger zone. And so Mm. for your mom or anybody who's interested in their own growth, yeah, you got to step out of that. You have to step out of it. Why? Because to me, you're never going to be self-fulfilled on that level. It's not that you don't ever have happy moments, but you're missing out. Mm. And they're using distractions to kind of not deal. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Right, right. And I guess you can have that. That could be their path and that's some people's path, right? You can't convince, like you're not going to convince your mom. Your mom would have to wake up and go, you know what? I want my life to be more than it is. Otherwise, Mm. you know, she's just going to tell herself it's okay right now because that's what fear does. Fear wants Mm. you to play small because it's safe, because Mm. it's known. If I go and date, that's an unknown and that's too scary. Mm. How, how, um, specific or or deep do you go into i really think that the world's the world is our perception so if i go if i if i have a a very deep rooted belief that there's no one good out there then that's what i'm going to look at not attract and look kind of the same thing but do you feel that um a lot of the experiences that we have are completely correlated to how we see the how we view the world yeah, our conditioning, yeah. and you can change that. I mean, that's the work I do is right. helping people change their conditioning because <clears throat> this is how we see it. I have blinders on, like mm-hmm. horse blinders, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is my limited idea of reality. I judge reality through this, right? Mm-hmm. So great things could be outside of those horse blinders. I'm never going to see it as long as I get up every day, I listen to whatever's in my head, the stories, the rules, the 
the evidence that there's nobody yeah. good out there, mm-hmm. right? And I'll find it. Oh, all my friends say there's no good men. All my friends say that there's no good women. I live in an area where there's only couples. I'm not going to meet somebody, you know, these excuses. Mm-hmm. So you're going to find the evidence that it's true, but it really isn't. It lives outside that little perception. So you have to be able to break through your limitations to actually change your life. And I think, uh, and that's, that's the work that really is. Um, so, okay. So it's, it's a, a deep seated root work from the inside out in which yeah. they start kind of seeing life differently. Okay. They do. And that's the interesting thing because it can look like it's incremental, but it feels different. Like I just watch people develop emotional freedom, um, a true confidence that's not built on skills or talents, but a confidence that I'm alive and I can trust myself to make good decisions. Because a lot of us don't. We second guess ourselves. But when you come from the inside out like that, then you're coming out and you're affecting your reality rather than reality controlling you or your perception of reality controlling you. Right, right. Uh, Tracy, what do you want to leave our listeners with? What is it one Tracy cliff note that you want to leave here right before they sign up for the boot camp (laughs) ah yes you have the power to absolutely live a life that is joyful that has deep connection where you feel like you don't have to rush and hold on to things in a way that you're grasping it's that you can allow life to unfold and truly live in the flow you just have to have the courage to go deep and start doing the emotional work good I just closed my eyes. I took it all in. I love that. I love that. Awesome. And Tracy, how can we find you? Uh, you can find me at tracycrossley.com. And I have all of my either workshops or boot camps, depending on when people hear this, mm-hmm. listed. Um, in December, I have the breadcrumbing workshop, which if people want an introduction to me, that would be great. Uh, they can also listen for free to my podcast, and that's on my website. Um, and then I have the boot camp in January and that's also on my website. So yeah. And my social media links are all on my website or you can just Google Tracy Crossley and find me that way too. Yeah, Crossley's with two S's guys, two S's L E Y. Yes. <laughs> Tracy, what a pleasure it's been to have you here today. Thank you. And, um, I got so much out of it as I'm sure all the listeners will. And before I let you go, I would like to acknowledge you. So on behalf of outliers TV, myself in the world, I acknowledge you, Tracy, for your heart and your kindness and the way that you want to help all of our lives by have more love and romance and have the best experience possible. So thank you for that. You're welcome. And thank you for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation today. Me too. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, guys, thank you so much for listening in. And of course, we want to acknowledge you, the incredible listener. Don't forget to subscribe. Namaste.